What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Creature Feature, the show where we crack open the heads of animals and humans and get on that brain train with a one-way ticket to explore the wildest behaviors in the human and animal kingdom. Doot, doot. I'm your host of Many Parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and I ate ants as a kid because I thought ant eaters were cool. Don't do ants, kids. Today, we're going to bust some... Sorry, I almost finished on some copyright there. We're going to, um, hang on, let me uh, get out my thesaurus. We're gonna wallop some legend, explode some old wives' tales. We're gonna disable some fables and contusion some illusions. So throughout history, there have been some pretty ridiculous animal myths. In 18th century Sweden, folklore had it that witches turned themselves into wild hares who would suck the milk dry from cows. In medieval Europe, authors of bestiaries thought weasels conceived through their mouths and gave birth through their ears. And Europeans used to think that maggots were spontaneously generated by meat or food that had been left out, until in 1668 when Francesco Redi had the brilliant idea of testing rotting meat in jars, covering some and leaving some open, and found that, interestingly, the jars left open where flies landed would start to generate maggots. He then observed the maggots developing into flies and put two and two together. These old myths may seem silly, but evolutionary biology is a continually evolving field, and science has always been open to new and contrasting information. So we're going to look at some popular myths today, burst them wide open, and talk about the truths that are even more fascinating than the myths. <laughs> the myths. <laughs> Joining me today is co-host of Nerdificent, comedian, TV writer, and Goku apologist, Ify Wadaway. Hey, how's it going? Great. Uh, I like myths. Myths? <laughs> my, my, myths. Um, Mythsies. 
I, me. I think it's great that they used to think weasels conceived through their mouths and oh, gave yeah. birth through their ears. Because that's like that's like something like a five-year-old me would have probably oh, yeah. thought. Like you get pregnant by kissing and mm-hmm. then like the baby comes out of your ears. Oh yeah, I'm sure there's some like, you know, Japanese like uh, anime art of birth being given yeah. through oh, the mouth. Oh yeah, you know? <laughs> I'm sure uh, if you Google that, oh, uh, yeah. turn that safe sh- search on, although I'm not sure that's going to help you. <laughs> yeah, no, uh yeah, I I totally remember the uh, maggot thing because yeah. I, rem- I remember that diagram. It stood out to me in my biology book in elementary school of like, why is there meat in the jar? Oh, there's maggots there. Right. And, and then I was like, oh, this is a cool experiment. Yeah. I mean, it's it's funny to me because it's like, uh, you know, you, you kind of, you see the logic of yeah. you see meat and then you see maggots like, well, they just came right out of the meat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because flies, they're they're real sneaky. They get in there well, and they flies, get out. Yeah, they don't look like maggots, yeah. so why would you think they're the same thing? Yeah. All right, so first I want to talk about Komodo dragons. Ooh, uh, okay, and, I'm uh, already interested. And there's a there's a big myth about them that I think uh, is, but when you look at like the actual truth, it's a lot cooler. Um, so just to catch everyone up, Komodo dragons are big, giant, enormous, scary lizards. Uh, They're native to the Indonesian islands. Uh, They grow up to be a maximum of 10 feet long and 150 pounds, which is like the size of like a, you know, huge person. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's like three fax machines. Right. Yeah. I do like that unit. That really gives you, because if you've ever tried to lift a fax machine. Oh, yeah. They're carnivorous predators who hunt and kill their prey, and their main diet is, well, they'll pretty much eat anything they can get their teeth on, but uh, it's deer and carrion, Mm. Uh, so dead things and deer, and sometimes they'll eat their own young, you know. (laughs) You know, as they do. As you do in nature sometimes. I mean, a lot of animals do that, so they're they're not weird for doing that. You remember that video that went viral of the crab mother eating all the baby crabs? Oh. <laughs> it's just, I didn't expect to be as unnerved by it. By it. <laughs> well, you know, and the uh, Christmas Island crabs are so numerous that the adults will just like eat a bunch of the kids and it's fine because there's like millions of yeah. them. So, you know. <laughs> um, so... Uh, they also, Komodo dragons are pretty aggressive, so they do attack humans. And I think they've actually killed some people. Oh. Uh, you know, they're, I wouldn't call them dangerous because it's not like you'll encounter one. Mm-hmm. But if you do encounter one, it, it could. Remember the, the, did you see, uh, what was it? Skyfall, the ja- the no the David James Craig, Bond one, yeah. The, the Craigie one. Yeah. Uh, they had like a scene where he, I think they tried to assassinate him with a Komodo dragon. <laughs> I love when movies employ animals to assassinate people right. because it's like you're not Aquaman. Right, <laughs> right. Like I'm going to put a snake in his room yeah. and then it'll bite him. <laughs> it's like, get him, get him, Francis. Yeah. And it's like, uh. Yeah, it's like, oh, <laughs> Just no. hanging out. Yeah. Snake in one corner, just like <laughs> just chilling out there. Um, yeah, so the myth uh, about Komodo dragons that you may have heard of uh, is that they're they kill because their saliva is so full of bacteria that it like puts their prey into septic shock. So like they bite their prey, their saliva is so nasty and full of dangerous bacteria that it literally like infects the the wound. And then they uh, slowly stalk their prey and then wait for it to die. And they they wait, they can wait for many days uh, for their 
prey to finally succumb to their wound. Um, and that that's certainly the story that I've heard yeah, and I I've used to that. believe. Um, this is not true oh. uh, at all. So here's here's the fact. Uh, Komodo dragons are venomous because of all the venom in their venom glands, <laughs> <laughs> not because their spit is gross. That's so funny because that was gonna that was gonna be my guess of what yeah. the myth was is that they're uh, that they're venomous. Right. I was gonna say poisonous, but that's wrong. Well, poisonous is ingested. Venom is ah. uh, contact or injected. Yeah. Got it. They have these serrated, razor sharp teeth that are just like a bunch of knives with uh, you know the the kind of that serrated barb so really great yeah. at shredding things up um, and those rip open a wound uh, and then the venom found in glands in their lower jaw uh, will cause shock in the animal by decreasing their blood pressure it works as an anticoagulant which makes them bleed faster uh, and so they will typically die within 30 minutes oh. so, um, so they don't even need to stalk no I mean, they stalk before the prey is dead. So, you know, to like, a, you know, you can imagine a lioness kind of stalking prey and then killing it. It's, it's a similar thing, except it's a horrible lizard. <laughs> um, and they actually have one of the most complex venom duct systems in reptiles. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that doesn't make it better. It's very inefficient. But they have these uh, venom ducts between their teeth. Uh, and so when they bite down, it, it kind of irrigates into the wound. Ah. And so they kind of, as they pull and shred, that um, like gooshes the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the venom into the wound. <laughs> like, like kind of like a syringe. Yeah. Yeah. It's like its mouth is full of syringes. <laughs> <laughs> and they actually, in terms of their saliva being nasty, that bacteria is similar to other carnivores. So uh, even though they do have certain uh, bacteria cultures in their saliva, when they measure other carnivores, it's basically the same. So it's not unique to them. Uh, They also practice pretty good oral hygiene. Uh, They've uh, brushed their teeth with leaves. So like, like after they've, you know, maybe made a snack of some dead deer, they will like mush their face into leaves and brush their teeth and then they lick their lips for like 10 to 15 minutes uh, cleaning themselves. Uh, And so there's no rotting chunks of flesh hanging from their mouths. Uh, They're, they're actually pretty fastidious. Like 15 minutes, that's better than me. Yeah, yeah, that's a very long time to yeah. clean your teeth. That's who you know. Um, and yeah, so they, they don't slowly stalk their prey over days. It usually takes about 30 minutes. Okay. There's probably outliers, and maybe that's why what people have observed, um, where maybe some prey got away and survived a lot longer than it typically does. Uh, and then the assumption being, oh, it must do this intentionally. But when all things go to plan, it's in and out. Yeah. In and out Komodo burger. <laughs> so, if I were to fight a Komodo dragon, okay. I should stay away from the teeth, is what you're saying. Yeah, I think that's generally okay. the good strategy. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I first of all, I, I want to say you probably shouldn't fight a Komodo okay. dragon. Okay. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. I mean, how speedy are they? Uh, they're pretty. They can be pretty fast. Okay. Yeah, I feel like you know I'm pushing two twenty eight. If I mm. can just get on top and yeah. hold the, you know, yeah, they, you know, they got that lizard motion. So yeah. you just get down on them. I'm on yeah. the back. I mean, you know, I I think if you if you really wanted to fight one, which again 
don't do it. Okay. Not not advocating for that. Lawyers get off our backs. We're yeah. not saying yeah, you yeah. should fight now, a Komodo dragon. This is a, iffy specific. I'm the only one yeah. uh, qualified to right, fight exactly, animals. Right, exactly, exactly. So nobody else try this yeah, out. no home. one else. But you, if you yeah. were fighting it, it, I would definitely like try to grab its tail. Ooh. Sort of the crocodile hunter-esque thing okay. where you grab its tail so that you can always be behind it. Uh, um, because you don't want it, and it's going to try to whip around to bite you. Yeah, um, that's its basically its superpower. Right, exactly. So if you if you can get that tail and then just kind of like keep twirling it around, <laughs> uh, like you're dancing like a dance partner. Yeah. Uh, then maybe you know uh, you could until <laughs> it gets tired. Until <laughs> it's tired, and it, it. or it falls in love with you. Yeah. It's like wow, you can, you can really dance. Yeah, I know. We're, we're <laughs> All right, so the next animal myth I want to cover, and this is a really popular one, is that wolves have an alpha and beta pack structure. Oh, um, what? So the idea is that you have a group of adult wolves, and they get together, uh, and the alpha males will fight for dominance. So you have this wolf that's just wolfier than all the other wolves. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it fights and bites its way to the top and then it's elected leader of the wolves just by merit of being the most aggressive and maybe there's also an alpha female that does the same thing she like you know bullies all the other females uh comes to work with a bunch of flowers and is like hey yeah my my husband got me these oh what you didn't get any flowers oh i'm sorry uh so you know alpha uh (laughs) (laughs) and so but this is not true the way this came about was in the 1940s, this uh, researcher, Rudolf Schenk, uh, documented wolf behavior and he observed wolves fighting for dominance. Um, but the problem was he was studying captive wolves, so wolves in a zoo. Uh, and captive animals often uh, behave differently than wild animals due to their different environment. Uh, and they will be in conflict more often because they don't have as much space. So in the wild, when you have fights between animals, uh, the one of the animals will often have an area to retreat and cool off and kind of give the, the aggressor some space, and then they kind of work it out that way. So uh, it's like... You know, if you're in an argument with someone, they, they storm off. But if you're if you're in a tiny room with someone and you argue, there's nowhere for you to go. So the argument is just going to keep going and going. Um, and so uh, that doesn't necessarily happen in the wild. And in fact, um, now what's thought is that wolf packs are just basically family units. Uh, so a mom and a dad and children. Oh, um, wow. And uh, so they may, the parents may use intimidation at times, and it's not as if they don't do dominance displays, but these are more within the family structure. So they didn't become the alpha male and female because they fought their way to the top. They're the alpha male and female because they're the mom and the dad. Yeah. And so there was a wild biologist, L. David Mick, he used to uh, write about the alpha wolf structure and like he used to uh, subscribe to that um, belief. But uh, as he continued to observe wolves in the wild, he realized he was wrong. And he was like, OK, actually, these look like these are just families. Um, and yeah, they like fight it out and there's dominance and submissive uh, behaviors. But that's within the family structure. Uh, and one uh, source I read said that like the older the individual, the more likely they are to be dominant. 
uh, which makes sense because, yeah. you know, older older brothers. And that's when I started fighting with my dad. I was like, <laughs> hey, hey, Dad, I don't like these rules. Like, you know, split off, you get your own pack. He's like, if, if you do not like these, then go and start your own pack. Uh, <laughs> if, if you do not want to be in my pack. Yeah, no, this one hits uh, pretty hard for me because there was this uh, game when I was in high school called Furcadia. Mm. It, was a, it was a furry game, but there were different worlds in it. I see. And you would go, and, and I was I was real into wolves. I liked Amer- ever since American Werewolf in Paris, right. I was like, I was a wolf guy. I right. Mean, and so we would, uh, so we went to the wolf world, and then me and the girl I had a crush on at the time, we had a pack. I and see. so I was the alpha wolf. I we see. were spreading misinformation of, right. of, among the Furcadia Among community. many crimes committed by the Furcadia community. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of them being spreading wolf information. <laughs> right, and right. And I apologize to wolves. Well, apology accepted on behalf of wolves. Yeah. I, I speak for the wolves. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think uh, the one of the effects that this has had has been on dog training because mm. dogs descended from wolves. That's true. Uh, and their behavior is similar to wolves in a lot of ways. Obviously, they're very different because of the, you know, thousands of years of domestication. But that idea of the alpha pack structure, I think, has informed dog training. And because it's not necessarily true in wolf populations, that means that a lot of the information we have about dog training might not be correct. So dog training is going under a constant evolution of trying to figure out, you know, hey, maybe there's different ways to uh, communicate with your dog and uh, sort of potentially like dominating your dog might not be the answer. I'm certainly not a qualified dog trainer, (laughs) so I don't want to say like, oh, no, there's only a certain way to train your dog because I I don't know. But I, I think it is something that we have to continually examine as we get in new information. My dog and I, uh, I've found that th- there's no way to really dominate my dog. She's tiny. She's like 13 pounds, but she's, she's, um, her personality is not, she cannot be dominated. There's yeah. no, you know, th- there's no way I'm going to do that. It's always a negotiation with her, yeah. a sort of tepid negotiation. <laughs> well, see, that's why you got to try the family structure thing. Right, exactly. You know, sit backwards in a chair and say, right. hey. Let's wrap. Hey, buddy. Listen. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on? Listen, buddy. Yeah, I feel like we don't talk anymore. Yeah. (laughs) She's licking her crotch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) When I was your age, you know, I felt the same way. Right, right. I mean, granted, when I was your age, I was, uh, you know, not licking my own crotch. But, uh, you know, it's all right. It's all right. We all all grow at our own pace. Sucking on a pacifier, licking your own crotch. Listen. Uh, Potato to potato. Exactly, exactly. All right. So one one last uh, animal myth here. So bulls are... Those fearsome male cows, yeah. <laughs> and of course, I'm going to say off top, like bullfighting, not not a big fan of it. Yeah, it's kind of trash. Yeah, um, I mean, like I I understand the cultural history of it, and I respect that, but you know, I I, I like the more modern bullfighting where you don't actually hurt yeah. the bull. Yeah, um, we can upgrade. You know, yeah, we you know, could. I mean, we can, I, we can make a WWE for yeah. bulls now. I mean, like, I, I'm still kind of like, I, I don't necessarily think it's good to even just harass a bull. Like, that to me, it's also dangerous. And yeah. I, I just don't know. But I feel like if we could have like an updated bullfight where it's like a robot bull, <laughs> I'd be super into that. Where it's a mech bull. Yeah, a uh, mecha bull. Yeah, yeah. Could you imagine? Oh, that'd be way cooler. That, that, I mean, in the challenge, would because this would be a bull with like a computer's yeah, yeah. intelligence. I know, so you still keep the machismo right, there. Right, yeah. right. Everyone's happy. Right. I mean, you'd, you'd need a gun, obviously, <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> I was thinking you get like a laser sword. Yeah, you know? la- I yeah. think a laser sword is yeah. good. That's that's showy. Yeah. Um. So I, I am sure a lot of people think that bulls are angered by the color red because that's you know part of 
I mean, that's that's a that's a fact that we're taught from a very young age oh, by yeah. Looney Tunes cartoons. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, that's not true, as uh, <laughs> you might have guessed from the structure of this podcast. Yeah. Uh, but uh, bulls can't even differentiate between the red, red and green like they're red, green colorblind. So like oh. they can't see in that within that color spe- spectrum. That doesn't mean they can't see colors. It's just like red and greens are going to sort of be the same. Yeah, see, I thought I knew because I was like, yeah, because they're colorblind, but I didn't know they're only red, green. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's but, you know, the basic principle is the same where they they can't really distinguish red um, and they're not there's no evidence that they're angered by that color. They're Uh, angered because they're put in a ring. Yes. And so it's waving (laughs) a cloth at them. Exactly. So it's the antagonizing motions of the bullfighter that, uh, you know, is (laughs) maybe frustrating for them. Uh, You know, it's it's kind of a funny thing to me where it's like you have this guy waving things around and like poking them with sharp sticks and it's like, he's mad at the color, I think. That red is making him real mad. Doesn't care for red. I guess he's more of a winter. Yeah. (laughs) It's really in the past <laughs> um, but here's a cool fact: bees actually are the ones who are angered by the color red. Wait, so bees, really? Bees are the ones. Oh, that seems like something that people should know. Yes. <laughs> so if you don't want to anger bees, don't wave red at them. Is is there a reason? Yes. So uh, to bees, red actually appears black, like a dark color. Um, and black and dark colors are the colors of predators uh, that they are on high alert for, like bears and honey badgers, these pesky, like, Pooh Bear-type animals. Yeah. Wait a second. Pooh Bear wears red. Ooh. It goes all the way to the top. Yeah. Um, uh, and so they're often under attack by these hungry bears going like, I want some honey. <laughs> um, so when they see those dark colors, they're like, oh, this is a this is a bear trying to get our precious honey. And then they go out on the attack. So if you don't want to get attacked by bees, you shouldn't okay. wear red. Mm. Yeah. But you should carry red paint if, uh, you know, you're ever going to encounter a bear. Distract, distract, <laughs> distract them by covering them in paint. The bees will get them and you're safe. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I and th- imagine how cute that would be. You just like paint on a little red shirt. It's like, yeah. oh, look, you're winning the poo, and then yeah. it just like, rips you apart. Oh, yeah. But well, your last few moments will be cute. Oh yeah, well you gotta get the speed. You gotta get the low. You can see the thing. Uh, the scary thing about bears, uh, you know, is that there's conflicting rules for different bears. Like where, right. like I think it's the grizzly. Is the grizzly the one that you're supposed to be make yourself bigger? Like one, you're supposed to make yourself bigger and one, you're supposed to play dead. And that's. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure. Okay, don't (laughs) take my word for it. I definitely want you guys to double check this before you go out and antagonize any bears, which you shouldn't do. Yeah, well, unless you're me. Yeah, okay. So if he is the only person who can fight bears and Komodo dragons. And gorillas. And gorillas. All right. Yeah. All strength right. is strength. <laughs> Look, see, we can have this conversation right now. I've just, you know, made strength is strength. If a gorilla's arms were weighed down so mm-hmm. that they had the strength of a human. Okay. Well, couldn't they just use those weights, though? As, that's what as... everyone's saying. But I'm like, then it's not heavy <laughs> enough. If they're using them weights and it's making them hit me right. harder, the weights aren't heavy enough. They need the strength of a human. If you put, like, really, like, if you put, like, really slippery shoes or like roller skates on a gorilla so its center of mass is like out of balance like (laughs) you put roller skates on all okay you put roller skates on its hands and its feet 
then I think maybe you could beat it. Beat it. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, the origin of this dumb bit of me fighting a gorilla came from <laughs> when I was writing uh, on At Midnight, that video of the two gorillas fighting that went viral. Mm-hmm. Went, and I've never, like, all the gorilla videos I've seen have been very docile. Very, yeah. I, and I realized that that, and for some reason, I, my only reaction in seeing that gorilla charge across the, like, uh, the enclosure and attack that gorilla was, right. well, I guess I can't fight a gorilla. <laughs> and everyone stopped and goes, wait, Iffy, up until this point, did you think you could fight a gorilla? And right. I was, and then I, you know, yeah. I doubled down and I was like, you know, I feel like under the right circumstances. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and. I can understand that because I mean you you're seeing me you you can tell I'm not necessarily a fighter. Yeah. <laughs> um uh but when I think about like say a mountain lion attacking yeah. I'm like I could kick a mountain lion yeah. away. <laughs> I think I could do it, but you know, you don't really grasp that the pure m- muscle. Yeah. Like a mountain lion it's not like partially like, you know, sort of fatty tissue where it's just like oh, you know, like a like a like a pudgy little yeah. kitty where, you know, you, you can fight a cat, but a mountain lion is just coiled muscles. Yeah. Just, oh, just ready to, just, like they're built to pounce. It's, it's so right. funny because it's that conversation always comes up on uh, why men uh, live shorter lives than women. And I feel like there's this inherent idiocy in men where right. we're like, yeah, I think I can. I think I can. You look at a Komodo dragon, you hear about its like mini venom glands and its yeah. sharp teeth, and then you think, but couldn't I? Maybe. I I, I'm sure it has something that goes deep down into our evolution of the peacocking of trying right. to look like the like all the the strongest hunter in the, right. the tribe. Where it's like I, I I can do that. I can do it. Yeah, I'm a good. Hold me back, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm gonna We've punch got, that raptor in like, the face. Like like loin cloths off, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's funny, uh, but. Yeah, no, these animals are terrifying at all times. Yeah, 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 that's true. I think that's that's the message I want to get out. We should love animals, but mm-hmm. be scared of them. Yeah, always. Love and fear them. Sometimes animal myths aren't just silly, but can actually be dangerous. Take, for instance, peeing on a jellyfish sting. This myth holds that urine somehow deactivates jellyfish venom. In fact, the opposite may be true. When a jellyfish stings you, it rubs stinging cells onto your skin. These cells contain nematocytes, evil microscopic balloons filled with venomous barbs that inject venom. Rubbing the sting will make it worse, as that causes more nematocysts to activate. But urinating on the sting or even running fresh water over it will cause a sodium differential between the inside and outside of the nematocyst, again causing them to sting. The solution? Pour salt water over the sting, which will help wash it away without necessarily provoking the nematocysts. Unless your pee is really, really salty, urinating on your sting will just make it hurt more and cover you in pee. Good job, pee pee leg. When we return, we'll explore some more human medical myths and find out that there are some incredible animals that are more amazing than the myths themselves. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker. Retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. 
With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Throughout human history, we have attempted to quantify medicine and, well, we've often failed. We used to think that our eyes worked by shooting beams out of them until 1011 when Arab mathematician Hassan al-Hazan conducted experiments on the human eye and concluded that instead of emitting rays, the eyes received light that bounced off of objects, thus forming an image. Though you may not have heard of him, he's one of the first ever implementers of the scientific method. Five centuries before Renaissance scientists figured it out. There are still, to this day, plenty of misconceptions about the human mind and body, but the thing is, sometimes the truth is even weirder than fiction, as me and my guest are about to discover. Mm. Don't you think it's crazy that, like, we don't know about uh, Hassan al-Hazan? Like, yeah, it's real wild. Like, I feel like, I mean, it's probably part of the reason is our education is pretty Euro-centric, like pretty Western-centric. Like, you know, Europeans, we've discovered science. That's not true. But yeah, it's like he was one of the first, in like 1011, 1011, like we hadn't even gotten into the teens yet. (laughs) Uh, And he discovered how the eye functions and he used the scientific method. Wow. It's pretty incredible. And this kind of ties into the first uh, thing I want to cover, which is this fact that is often spread around that we only use 10% of our brains. Um, So uh, have you ever heard that? Oh, yeah. There's so many premises. As a nerd, there's so many premises that are based on that. Like that ScarJo movie. Yeah. You took the limitless. Right, 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 right. ScarJo, she only uses 10% of her yeah, brain, yeah, am yeah. I right? <laughs> oh, zingarami. Bam, roasted. Um, yeah, but like in that movie, I think it's like she gets a drug that 
yeah. lets her use 100% of her brain and then she becomes psychic. Is that right? Yes. That's always what it is for some reason. Right. It's like as if somehow if we used all of our brain, we could somehow receive brain signals from other people. Was it Lucy? Lucy, that's right, okay. that's right. Yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that <laughs> drove me a little crazy, like th- <laughs> those ads. Yeah. And what is the, like, because, like, you 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 know more about biology than the typical person. What, is, what are some, like, ads or premises that have made you roll your eyes? I mean, that's that's a big one, the, uh, the 10% of the brain yeah. uh, being repeated ad nauseum. Um, I think, uh, I mean, there's a lot of also just uh, pop psychology where it's like, oh, women like this because of this reason or men oh, like yeah. this because of that reason. And it's like, well, I mean, <laughs> you know, like, oh, men like trucks because of some something way back in our evolution. It's like, I don't think that, I don't know about trucks because like there weren't trucks back yeah. then. So you can't necessarily uh, abstract that to that level or like. Uh, you know, the like, oh, it's in our DNA is used pretty commonly. It's like, is it really? Yeah. I don't know if it is. <laughs> you have to prove it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but with the 10% of our brains uh, thing is, uh, I mean, what is true is that at a given moment, maybe we are only using like 10% of our brain in terms of it might only be firing. Uh, but that's not like throughout the whole day. We'll be using all of our brain to varying degrees depending on the task that we're doing. Because imagine the alternative. If like 100% of our brain was firing all at once, that would basically be like some kind of crazy psychotic experience yeah. where you just your brain explodes. Yeah, if I if I nerd it up a bit, uh, the CPU is your brain of right. the computer. And then uh, you put that under 100% load, you're going to fry that bad boy. Exactly. And uh, you'll need yeah. to spend another large sum like of money every experience emotion and thought you could ever possibly have like firing at once that doesn't even make sense because your brain doesn't really work just by thing it's not like you have certain information stored in your brain that you just like turn on and turn off it's patterns of activation so your neurons forming a pattern um, where it's kind of a domino effect one neuron fires and then like this domino effect of all these neurons firing in a pattern and that it's that actual pattern of activation that is the thought or the memory or whatever um so uh everything firing at once i don't even know if that would be a conscious experience yeah. i'm not sure what that would be um but so but we use all of our brain it's not like there's a part of our brain that just you know crickets cobwebs doesn't yeah. get used um According to uh, Scientific American, this fact may have come from uh, historical psychologist William James, who wrote, quote, we are making use of only a small part of our possible mental and physical resources, which I don't think that's, uh, I'm not sure that's true, buddy. (laughs) I mean, maybe for some of us, like uh, in general, like when you think of a person's potential, but the human, it's not like the human body has a uh, hugely untapped brain power that if only you took the right supplement yeah, you yeah. could get to um the the muscles it's it is true that we there is more we can exert like we hear about times where people's adrenaline goes and like you can be um triggered into your body working much more than it usually does like being able to lift something heavier than you usually can that's true to some extent but it's not like Oh, if we could only tap into 100% yeah. of our body, we'd, we would become like the Hulk, except when he's smart, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And uh, yeah, so not true that we use 10% of our brain. But here's a fact that to me is crazier and it's completely true. It's called unihemispheric slow wave sleep. That means you can turn off half of your brain. One half of your brain is asleep and the other half is awake. Whoa. When I say you, I don't mean you because this is only something animals can do. (laughs) Um, uh, So uh, certain species of dolphins, whales, seals, sea lions, manatees, and birds exhibit unihemispheric slow wave sleep. So it's literally one eye closed, one eye open, one half of the brain off and the other half of the brain on. Essentially. I mean, one half is asleep. It's not off, off. It's like asleep. Um, so, uh, and with our eyes and our brain, the hemispheres are actually kind of, um, mixed up. So like Mm -hmm. your right eye or your right field of vision is connected to your left side of your brain and vice versa. So when the, uh, right eye is closed, the left side of the brain is asleep, um, in these animals. Uh, so why would they, first of all, I mean, it is kind of intuitive why you'd want to do that. Mm -hmm. And when I heard about it in, uh, school, I was like, uh, this was in college and I was like, huh. And so I would like close one eye during lectures because I was so sleep deprived. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder if you can like close one eye, uh, like your left eye yeah. to uh, sleep with your right eye and then be really smart with your left brain. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it didn't, it didn't work for me. <laughs> um, so for sea mammals, the reason for this is pretty important. It allows them to continue sleeping while still surfacing for air. Uh, because they have to breathe. They yeah. they may look like fish, but they're not fish. So <laughs> they they got to still breathe. Uh, and so sleeping can present a problem for them when they need to continually breathe. And so that half sleeping allows them to surface and also to continue uh, um, swim patterns and migration patterns while still kind of half sleeping. Uh, same thing for birds. So they can half sleep during long migrations and still detect predators. Uh, so actually, birds can completely fall asleep while migrating, which <laughs> wow. blows my mind. So they can go into slow wave sleep while uh, migrating uh, over long distances uh, and still navigate somehow. Um, well, that'll be us soon, you know, with our, <laughs> with our Teslas that are driving us. You know, we'll That's be migrating true. and we'll go to sleep, uh, yeah. even though they say not to do it. Right. Elon said, don't do it, y'all. Don't do it. I mean, I don't think the cars are there yet, right? Yeah. They're not like fully automated. So you just, have to yeah. you have to be at the wheel. I think there was a story about some guy who was like drunk in a Tesla and like the Tesla just like parked him on the Golden Gate Bridge or something. And like <laughs> the cops came up and he was like dead asleep and it's like, oh, it's self-driving. It's like, and it, I think the car that he had didn't even have the oh full self-driving feature. Yeah, it's a, it, you know it's still a work in progress. Yeah, they do over there updates, but yeah, there there's been some like sometimes it'll malfunction. Right, you right. Know, but I'm waiting for those like Honda mech legs that oh, just like yeah. walk you places, um, and then you could be asleep. Uh, did, did you ever watch Wallace and Gromit? Uh, very little. Uh, there was one where it's like he's got these mechanized trousers because it's british <laughs> and then he's asleep and he's his upper torso is just flopping around yeah. while his like mecha pants are walking him oh, around 
Um, That's the dream. Right. Um, and so what's really cool about the birds who do the, do the um, half asleep thing is that it's the birds, typically the birds on the edges of the flock who are sort of have to be aware and, and birds will like switch positions and stuff. And it's this kind of interesting communal situation. And so if they're on the outer edge, half of their brain will go asleep and one of their eyes will close, but the eye that's facing outward will be open and alert to predators. So say they're on like the um, right side, their right eye will be open, left hemisphere, which connects to the right eye will be asleep so they can stay alert to predators um, wow. while they're flying and they're on that outside. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's really cool. Uh, and the way that they their brains can do this is um, acetylcholine, which is a neurotransmitter that can regulate brain activity and wakefulness, um, is withheld from their sleep portion of the brain while still being present in the awake half. So it's okay. like this neurotransmitter being selectively released in different hemispheres of the brain. Wow, that's awesome. It's really cool. Yeah. I wish... Uh, the many superpowers you could get if you were an animal. This yeah. is the one I wish the most. <laughs> you can just half, just half sleep. I tried so hard. I really wanted it to be true. Like I would close one eye and then it's like, am I resting? I can't tell. <laughs> my my teeth hurt. Is that normal? <laughs> I was so sleep deprived in college. Um, all right. So here's another um, biology interesting thing, which also reminds me of college, is the thing of like, oh, women synchronize their periods when their roommates or their friends and they live together. Have you heard this one? Oh, yeah, I've heard this. Yeah, one. Um, I, I've heard it, too. It's uh, it's an oft repeated uh, thing of being a fact and it's not. Um, <laughs> so um, this is based on, I think, a 1971 study um where researchers looked at a group of coll female college students and uh, they the sample size was pretty small and it was yep. only over like eight weeks and they're like, these chicks synchronize their periods. <laughs> would you get a load of these dames? Wow, yep, that sounds about right. <laughs> Actually, it's the 70s, so what would they, like, these mamas? <laughs> yeah, yeah, these jive mamas over here <laughs> with their periods all synced up. <laughs> oh man, let me write this down in the medical journal, baby. <laughs> They're somehow making their hoo-hahs work together. <laughs> yeah, so that's not, no study has been able to replicate that. Um, and researchers today point out the many methodological problems and small sample size of the mm -hmm. original studies. Uh, so it's really probably not true. Yeah. So uh, it's it, technically unconfirmed. Obviously, it hasn't been proven to be negative necessarily, yeah. but there's no evidence that it's necessarily true. Um, and I think most likely if you feel like it's true anecdotally, it could be that like, you know, periods aren't, it's not like every 28 days on the dot, like yeah. they kind of like shift around. So you're going to have that occasional, you know, synchronization. It's like, oh my God, our periods are like the yeah. same. <laughs> We're like twins. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. We're blood sisters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that blood sisters, blood moon sisters. sisters. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, which is. That would be metal. I'd love yeah. to just be able to become blood sisters. Yeah, yeah. But uh, unfortunately, it has to be the old fashioned way where you do a human sacrifice. Anyways, <laughs> um, but uh, there is an animal who does do this. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, lionesses Ooh. do synchronize their periods. They are blood sisters in more than this than one. They are uh, 
Uh, yep, they like to eat things oh, and kill yeah. things. But see, that's a, you know, uh, that's a deleted scene from the Lion King <laughs> that we saw. Which is, Nala and Sarabi yeah, yeah. are like, like, are you are you an estrus? No, me too. Weird yeah, coincidence. Wow, this is cool. Yeah, there's a lot we've talked about on the podcast how uh, inaccurate the Lion King is. Man, there there would be so much more killing in that. Oh, oh really? A lot of killing. Um, I mean. There'd be no way. So when Scar takes over the pride, like he would kill all the cubs. So there's, you know, it's yeah. just. Uh, and also, it doesn't make sense that none of it, it just doesn't make sense. So, so you're saying they wouldn't be enemies with hyenas then? Well, I mean, they would be actually. That part is true because hyenas and lions are natural enemies because they are in the same sort of niche in terms of their prey. So hyenas will hunt. They're not just scavengers. And and lions and hyenas will both try to steal each other's prey. So it's not just like a parasitic relationship between hyenas and lions. And lions will eat hyena cubs and hyenas will eat lion cubs. Typically, lions are the bigger jerks because they're just literally bigger. Uh, But, you know, you get enough hyenas, you can overpower a lion uh-huh. that's what i'm saying oh yeah you know that's what that's what happened at the end of lion king they showed <laughs> exactly, us that exactly exactly that part true <laughs> um and actually uh hyenas like we've talked about before they're a matriarchy and they have yeah. pseudo penises they're Ooh, really? really cool animals oh, yeah um but lionesses uh will synchronize their estrus so um most animals other than humans and some primates don't really have periods in the way that um human women do i sounded so weird like such a weird human women (laughs) show me your human women (laughs) uh the human female yeah yeah um yes i love human women uh what why would you think that i'm from outer space uh that tinder profile it's like you 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 don't it's like a trench coat all the way up to their eyeballs yeah it's like like i enjoy human women Women, (laughs) and their human body and knees i like their chest meats (laughs) (laughs) oh man um so by going into estrus at the same time this allows them safety in numbers for their cubs so their cubs all happen at the same time Uh so statistically speaking uh some of them should survive so like if a predator tries to pick off some of the cubs and you have this big group of cubs like the likelihood that your cub is going to get eaten not as much yeah uh which is a really touching (laughs) thing they the uh, the nicer thing is they do it also so they can communally raise the cubs so they can babysit and like they're all sort of in the same maternal mood um and taking care of each other's cubs and and that's nice um what's not so nice is that um one way that female uh, lions go into estrus is when their cubs are killed so if a new male takes over the pride and as we've talked about on the podcast before prides aren't really a patriarchy although they're kind of seen that way in in popular culture it's like the the core group of lions is typically females that have uh, passed on from generation to generation so uh you could look at it as a matriarchy in that way i mean it's true that the males uh do assert their dominance and by killing all the cubs when yeah. they take over a pride but it's like it's kind of like you know they get this new lion leader like not a leader though because like the the female lions kind of control the pride throughout the the many many years the males come and go it's the females that oh. form the core of the the pride um and so uh uh it's just like it's they're so cool these these super metal 
lioness's blood sisters synchronizing yeah. their periods also, uh like a uh, interesting deeper story like what if the lion king was less about this you know exchange of power between the men but these men who come and go but one lioness loved one cub so much that she hid it from the new uh, lion Ooh. and now he's growing up with these cubs that are not his brothers i really like that idea yeah. that's awesome i mean that see that would be a much better movie <laughs> Um, I mean, if they remade Lion King, why not do just remake it? Do a new yeah. plot. Uh, don't show us Uncanny Valley lions. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would love to see some uh, biologically accurate animal movies because the reality is so much cooler. And like you said, it it would you could have a much more interesting plot. Like that's almost like what is it? Um, that's almost like the Moses plot of like, mm-hmm. you know, putting, it's like a Moses lion. Yeah. So instead of cribbing from Hamlet, like crib from Moses. Yeah. Um, yeah, that'd be really cool. Um, and so one, one method that they use to synchronize their estrus is potentially pheromone signals. They like smell each other and it's like, Oh, you want to have babies? Sure. I'll, I'll join you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just like yeah, want to go to brunch and have some babies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And it's baby time. <laughs> so here's another um, claim that um, I I don't know. It, I've kind of not heard it before. I actually found this on Snopes. Um, mm. But I think I've heard things similar to it, which is uh, that the human body replaces itself entirely every seven years. Oh. Uh, have you heard this one before? Something close to it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like I, I've heard similar stuff like, oh, you know, your body, like every cell in your body is replaced. And so yeah. you're like a, comp- like the ship of Theseus thing where it's like, oh, are you really you since we replace all of our cells mm-hmm. and such? But, um, it's it's kind of a mixture of myth and fact. So um, okay. uh, cells do. The, it makes a lot of sense though why why people would think that the entire body is replaced because cells do die. It's a process called apoptosis, and then they regenerate through cell division. Um, and uh, some cells can um, kind of renew very rapidly, like skin cells. Um, And the seven years figure may have come from a study that found that the average age of a cell in the human body is around seven to 10 years old, um, which is kind of like crazy to think about. Like, wait, I'm only seven years old. (laughs) I knew it was okay to like Power Rangers. (laughs) A bunch of bronies feel very vindicated. Yeah, yeah. get off our backs. Um, But that's just an average. And, uh, you know, average is, is not, it's not like most cells are like this. It's like you have... Um, cells, some cells regenerating extremely quickly, like from days to weeks, um, like epithelial cells, which is like skin cells, lining of the stomach, especially that uh, regenerates very quickly because of the acidity of the stomach. Um, uh, organs, blood vessels uh, also have epithelial cells that regenerate more quickly than other cells in the body. Uh, and then other cells like uh, connective muscle and nervous cells last much longer and, and bone also lasts quite long um so um often like i think bone is replaced every 17 years ish um and uh the average age for non-epithelial cells are around 15 years old um but some cells last way longer i mean like your entire life so certain cells were born with and will die with like the cells inside the center of our islands were actually born with that and will die with that oh wow and then uh, our brain matter is a little younger than that lens mm-hmm. cells uh, because uh, we are developing our brains really rapidly when we're little, like uh, until two years old. It's like you have this massive, 
And I mean, obviously, the brain continues to develop after that, but we generated a bunch of uh, this new tissue. Uh, And then... um, so that, uh, but the brain tissue on average, in I, I think it's like they measured tissue inside the cerebellum and they found it was about as old as the individual. Um, and uh, But there are certain parts of the gray matter that uh, d- does regenerate more quickly. Um, uh, but, you know, so basically some of our body does regenerate really quickly. Some of it regenerates more slowly. And then certain cells are going to be there basically for our entire lives. Um, which, and it, it makes sense to me that the brain, I think is one of the more constant ones. Um, it is still crazy that it, it isn't necessarily like you're not born with your entire brain and then you die with your yeah. that same brain, <laughs> which is a little bit spooky, yeah. but it, it isn't like, like your brain is completely new from like seven years ago. It's, uh, you know, parts of it are going to be basically the same once your brain stops growing until you die. Um, yeah, and you stop developing brain cells at a certain age, right? Right, yeah. Like, you're not going to grow a bunch of new brain cells. Um, the main changes is the neuroplasticity, where uh, it's not so much that you grow new cells, but your brain, um, that the the cell, the neural pathways that form in your brain can change throughout your life. Obviously, they have to. Otherwise, yeah. you would never be able to form new memories or learn anything new. Um, so you can, your brain can change throughout your entire life. Obviously the greatest changes are from age zero to like 25 ish, Mm -hmm. but you know, your brain continues to change throughout your life, but the cells themselves mostly, um, stay the same once you've reached a certain age. All right. And some parts of the brain, some parts of the brain regenerate more quickly. Um, uh, but here's, uh, there is an animal that is basically like a Benjamin Buttons where it can completely regenerate. Um, and it is the immortal jellyfish. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. So these are teeny tiny cute jellyfish uh, found in the Mediterranean and Sea of Japan. They're about like the size of a fingernail. Um, and uh, they, along with a couple of other jellyfish species who are dumb, and I'm not going to mention no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I think there's like the moon jelly. There's a moon jelly species that also does this. Uh, but they can revert back into a polyp, which is like the baby form of the jellyfish, and then become reborn. Um, so this is called reverse metamorphosis. Wow. Um, it's Benjamin Buttons. Yeah. <laughs> where they... Uh, uh, turn back into a polyp, and then that polyp turns back into an adult. Um, So biologists liken it to a chicken that turn into an egg, and then that egg hatches a new chicken. Um, And to accomplish this, it goes through cellular transdifferentiation, um, which sounds like you know, Full Metal Alchemist. You know that, or wait, wait, what's the anime? Is Full Full Metal Alchemist a anime? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you got it. I'm right. getting it confused with Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. Yeah. Which right. is a Stanley Kubrick. Yes. Uh, yes. Film. Yeah. But yeah. No. Full Metal uh, Alchemist. Like they they try and transmute different things, and right. that's how he gets his little brother trapped in that suit of armor. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And like he gets a new hand, but yeah. it's made out of his dead mom. Is that right? It's like metal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We get too deep into it, but I think so. It's very <laughs> dark and bleak. Right. Um. But it sounds like something from from that anime. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it's uh, where one cell type is converted into another cell type, like a skin cell becoming a, a neural cell. Um, and humans, like, basically only stem cells do this. Yeah. Um, and we don't, it seems like they're so cool 
uh, the fact that they can turn into babies and then regrow into adults and do this potentially indefinitely until they're a snack for something else. We don't actually know that much about them. Like we haven't studied them that thoroughly because they're really hard to cultivate in a lab. In fact, from one article I read, uh, there's only one scientist who's been able to reliably grow them in a lab. His name's Shin Kubota of Japan. And he's like in this tiny office and growing these miraculous jellyfish. And he's got very little funding and he just does it because he thinks it's really important. Yeah. That's so, there's something like really mysterious about this, this one man who knows how to grow these and is trying to study them and basically is one of the few people who can nurture these. And he, he, it's funny when he talks about them, like he kind of, he's like, he's really proud of them. Like, oh, these are my little babies. (laughs) (laughs) My little guys. Yeah. My little immortal guys. Yeah. You would think that an Elon Musk would be injecting them oh, into yeah. his bloodstream to try to be just to more. see, yeah, yeah. And what if we, yeah, what, what, what if that we have that ability, but with those parameters, like, right. you can you can regenerate your body, but you you have to go back to a baby. It's almost like to you me. Have to go back at what to point is embryo, huh? right? At what point is that just like when we have kids? You know, yeah, because. Wouldn't you be, I guess it depends on how much like of a, you know, biological essentialist you are, but I feel like we are not, we're not just what we're born with, we're all the experience we've had, you know, it's nature and nurture kind of working together to create you as a human. So I feel like at that point it wouldn't, even though maybe your body would be immortal, your mind wouldn't, like you, once you revert back to a child or an embryo, that would be you dying, essentially. Yeah. Uh, even if you're reborn again, that would be a new person, yeah. in my opinion, um, just based on, I think, because we're we're a pretty special animal in terms of how much we can learn mm-hmm. and how uh, flexible our brains are. But I think that also means that we're kind of a sum of our experiences in our environment, and then that is who we are. And that's why, you know, when you have a brother or sister who's very close to you genetically they can be super different yeah um and like or uh you know a a child who's you you know maybe similar to you uh biologically but they're you know going to be really different because they they have different experiences yeah Mm, that's very interesting yeah Like I said before, sometimes the truth is actually wilder than myth. And what you might think of as myth collides with science. In the monasteries of eastern Tibet, Buddhist monks practice jitamo meditation, a technique that is legendary for increasing the body's heat, even drying wet sheets wrapped around the monks' bodies as they meditate in the freezing Himalayas. But is there any truth to this? Researchers and monks well-practiced in forceful breath jitamo meditation put it to the test, the scientific test, and found that by meditating in this way, they were able to increase their body temperature, even up to mild fever levels. And more interestingly, it wasn't just the breathing that was important. The mental visualization of the Jitama meditation technique was important in enabling the meditators to continue breathing properly and to keep their body temperature up. So, I want you to visualize this podcast returning after a short break. Breathe in and breathe out. We'll be right back. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers... 
Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. You fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Welcome to Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? That is the owner of a million spiders. I'm your host, Mialix Trebark. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Iffy, I want to play play a little game. Right, based off the title, <laughs> I want to lose. I don't want these millions. So I'm going to um, ask you some questions about animals and reveal some unexpected truths, perhaps. Okay. Um, all right. And, and this is going to be about like what you think the characteristics of these animals are so question number one is who do you think has more eyes spiders scallops or scorpions is that helping dude yeah yeah because i think spiders but based on the 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 premise of this game i'm gonna say uh, scallops you are correct <laughs> so spiders have zero to 12 eyes there yeah. are some spiders who are eyeless like the blind huntsman spider of laos and the blind cave wolf spider of hawaii uh, scorpions similarly have about zero to 12 eyes same thing some of them don't have eyes some of them have 12 <laughs> eyes but scallops have up to a hundred eyes oh wow so here i want to show you this picture it's pretty beautiful 
Oh, that is extremely terrifying. <laughs> I think it's kind of neat. Okay. <laughs> so you, you see all those little blue dots? Yeah. Those are all of its eyeballs. Oh, wow. So they have from 10 to 100 eyes. The scallop is found all over the world in our oceans, on our plates, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> um, but imagine this next time you're eating a scallop. They just have hundreds of eyeballs. Oh, yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> they can actually swim around by opening and closing their valves. Uh, they're bivalves, meaning they got two, two valves. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and um, they have these eyes, which tend to be uh, brilliant blue. They look like little blueberries. <laughs> But hundreds of them, and they're all staring at you. Oof, yeah, do you um, like? <laughs> so their eyes are actually really interesting because they don't have lenses like most animals. Um, instead, they have a concave mirror made out of guanine. And if guanine sounds familiar, that's the same protein found in DNA. Oh. Um, but guanine crystals can form this, like, shiny um, substance that... Uh, actually found in like on skin of like chameleons and, uh, and other uh, things but it, it can actually turn their eyes into these tiny telescopes so these guanine crystals form a mirror uh, and that mirror focuses light inside of the eye like you know you've seen the giant mirror for the Hubble telescope yeah. and you know how that uh, helps redirect and focus the light it works the same way for the scallop and Although their eyes can't make out distinct shapes, they can accurately sense changes in their environment, like changes in light and dark and a shadow passing over them, and even like different water conditions. So they know like how to evade predators or where to swim to find food or, or whether they need to avoid some poor water conditions. Mm. Um, and we don't know much about the scallop brain, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> like like what's happening from the eyes to the brain. But yeah. I don't think they're very smart. Okay. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, but it is interesting that they're just lined with all of these kind of like sentry yeah, eye, eyeballs. Very weird looking. Yeah. It looks, um, it looks very, I guess, like David Lynchian. He's oh, the, yeah. he's like the alien guy, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, with all the like weird mouth uh, tentacles and eyeballs and, uh, yeah, just, Think about that next when you get one of those uh, nice Gordon Ramsay scallops on a yeah. plate. <laughs> you scoop all the eyes out. Mm. Yep. Just like, uh, I know like when I eat like crayfish, uh, it's like they're little, little tiny eyeballs staring at, at yeah. me like, why? <laughs> why are you why doing this? Well, why? No. <laughs> it's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Next question. Which animal can grow a proper handlebar mustache? Horses, bonobos, or the Bornean bearded pig? Oh, horses? Yes, you're yeah, correct. I wow, you're two just, for yeah, two. I just saw a uh, viral Twitter image of horses <laughs> with mustaches. And was was it away. this one? Yes. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, so crazy. Yes, yeah, so... The Gypsy Vanner draft horse of Ireland can grow luxurious mustaches, and they're, they really just look like a human mustache oh, yeah. pasted on a horse, uh, with no exaggeration. Um, usually that's because like the owner styles it a little bit. Yeah. Like if you leave it just to grow, it, it turns into this big mop. Okay. But the owner will like trim it, and, oh, you yeah, know, like course. curl it, and it just like looks like a little, <laughs> you know, one of those eighteen hundreds mustaches. All, all these guys named Bartholomew. And oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's one dastardly horse has a pencil mustache. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> um, bonobos actually don't have mustaches. Oh, really? <laughs> um, although they are one of our closest uh, primate relatives. Mm. Um, the uh, Bornean bearded pig actually grow reverse mustaches. So they grow a bunch of hair above their nose. Oh, that's very weird. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, they like grow this bristly hair that's like imagine your you know like the bridge of your nose. Imagine if you just grew a band of hair from oh. the bridge of your nose all the way around your chin. That's the worst goatee. <laughs> that's that's a uh, worse than Guy Fieri though. Worse yeah, than that? Definitely worse. <laughs> imagine though, like with like mustard all over it. Still worse. Uh, I mean, okay, then that's worse. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last question, and this is actually inspired by uh, someone. So I asked on Twitter for some questions okay. from people, and this Madeline sent in a question. Um, but first, I'm going to ask you: uh, Which of these animals poop in cube shapes? Is it the naked mole rat, the wombat, or bees? <laughs> um, I'm gonna guess bees. You are incorrect. Oh, no. You almost got 100% yeah. though. Um, so it is actually the wombat. Ah. Uh, and they are of Australia. <laughs> and I'm sure. That's showing... dangerous. They look like little <laughs> tiny mini brownies. They do. <laughs> little wombat brownies. Yeah. Worse than accidentally eating weed brownies. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, no. This is a bad <laughs> flavor. Even worse if the wombat ate weed and you yeah, ate yeah. them. <laughs> Um, so, uh, uh, the question from Madeline, uh, is why, how is wombat poop cube shaped? Are there other animals with similar scat? Um, and so as far as I know, this is the only animal that creates poop shaped cubes, uh, yeah. or cube shaped poop yeah. <laughs> either way. Um, and I did a little research on this. Uh, there's actually the conception, and here's another myth, that they poop in cubes so that the poop doesn't roll down hills so yeah. that they can mark their territory. I don't think there's actually evidence that this is true. Again, it hasn't been, like, proven false. Yeah. Uh, it's just, some, I, I read one um, biologist who studied wombats. He's like, they just poop wherever. They poop yeah. where they poop. The cube shape isn't necessarily for marking their territory. And recently there's uh, research by bodily fluids expert Patricia Yang and her colleagues at the Georgia Institute of Technology in the U.S. What a job uh, title. I know. Um, so they uh, shipped in uh, wombats from Australia, and these were actually roadkill wombats because wow. it's, you can't, you, like, it's hard to source wombats. Yeah. Um, and so they shipped them in from Australia. They examined their intestines, and they found um, that the cube shape is probably due to, first of all, how dry the feces are. So um, wombats are live in pretty dry environments. They have to preserve a lot of moisture. So they suck a lot of the water content out of the poop as it goes through their oh. intestines. Um, and uh, that allows it to maybe be shaped into that more brick-like uh, shape. But um, one of the, the way, the mechanism of forming it into cubes is they tested the elasticity of the mm -hmm. intestines. And most intestines have a pretty uniform elasticity. But with wombats, they have these two ridges that are more elastic than the other oh. parts of the intestine. So they almost form these like pockets yeah. where they like, I guess, kind of get like sli slide around and get squished into yeah. like a cube shape uh hands made out of intestines like <laughs> squishing them into poop. here you go um so they're they might be poop crucibles for making the square poop <laughs> yeah, yeah um and so that 
there you go. That's why wombat is poop is cube shaped and how it happens. Um, a and, question I didn't know I needed an answer for. Well, and now you do. Yeah. And now you can, all that sleep you've been missing, it's because deep down you needed this answer. Exactly. This question answered. I no longer have to try and sleep with one eye. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about your podcast, Nerdificent? Oh, yeah, yeah. And got anything to plug? Oh, yeah. So, Nerdificent, uh, you know, it's with me and Danny Fernandez. We do nerdy deep dives into topics and have a guest on to talk about their experience with it. It's very casual, very fun. It's a, you know, it's a nerdy podcast for everyone, whether you, you know, just got interested because you saw the new Captain Marvel or if you've been a longtime person and you like to reminisce over, uh, you know, the good old times. <laughs> uh, and also I do a podcast called Who Shot You? It's a movie podcast uh, with Maximum Fun uh, where we, you know, it's just a, it's a movie podcast that isn't just uh, white dudes. Nice. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but besides that, Ify Wadiway on Twitter and Instagram. Ify's on Twitch if you like to watch people play video games and, uh, you know, just come hang with me. What's your favorite, like, animal-themed superhero? Ooh, Black Panther. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Because, he, you know, I had the bonus of being an African superhero. So That's, growing up yeah. as a Nigerian American, I was like, yeah. Weirdly, comic books are kind of white males all yeah, the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So not only, you know, not only that we got Black Panther, he got him pretty early, too. He came out, like, a year after Spider-Man. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And he actually came out before the Black Panther party. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Black Panther, the superhero, existed before the party. So I like to imagine that Huey uh, P was at the comic book stand. He was like, huh, I got an idea. <laughs> Secretly a nerd. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, that's awesome. Uh, so, uh, did you you mentioned where people can find you on Twitter? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Uh, you can find us on uh, creaturefeaturepod.com, on Instagram, creaturefeaturepod, on Twitter, creaturefeatpod, F-E-A-T, don't, don't do F-E-E-T. Um, and you can find me at Katie Golden, and I'm also at ProBirdWrites, where I am definitely a human and not a bird. Oh, I... I saw your account the other day. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's very, it's very funny. I like yeah, it. thank you. It's it's pretty silly. Yeah, it's got a it. lot of misspellings. Yeah, which are uh, totally on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening. If you're liking the pod, you can help support us by leaving a comment or giving us a rating and subscribing and all that good stuff. Thank you so much. I'll see you next Wednesday. Bye. Bye. And thanks to the Space Cossacks for their awesome song, Exolumina. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. 
Exclusions apply. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.